0: Hello everyone and welcome to this episode 13 of the In Context Podcast with me, Gregor Thompson. For this episode I spoke with Adam Ashton who is one half of the What You Will Learn Podcast in which him and Adam Jones read a book a week and outline it so that you don't have to read the whole book. It's a great idea, it's a great podcast, I love it. Um, It gets me motivated and you learn a lot. And speaking of learning, they've also just released a book today, which is the 23rd of June, as I'm recording this, called The Shit They Never Taught You, in which they've compiled over 100 books into one behemoth of a book and outlined all the best bits, stuff you didn't learn from school and stuff other stuff other people, mentors, haven't taught you. Stuff you really should know and stuff that will make your life better. And before I just start the podcast, could I just ask if you could please like, subscribe, follow and leave a good review. It genuinely means a lot. It means I can grow the podcast more and keep doing it. So please enjoy this conversation with Adam Ashton. Um, So, yeah, thanks. So I've got one half of the What You Will Learn podcast here. Um, Adam Ashton. I also had like when I was writing these questions, I had it in my mind which one of you because I didn't actually know which one was Adam Ashton, which one was Adam Jones, and I got it right. (laughs) You are Adam Ashton. So,
1: (laughs) oh, nice, good guess. Um, If you if you if you got a question for Adam Jones, I can pretend to be Adam Jones and answer as him, or I can answer as Adam Ashton. Totally up to you.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how we get on. Um, So let's let's just start at the start. How did you start the podcast?
1: Uh, We um, we met. At, we were both working at a pub, uh, was where we first sort of got, got together. We were just uh, both studying at uni, both working casual part time jobs at a bar. And we, um, I don't know, we didn't, we sort of crossed paths, but we didn't really, uh, we only met each other once or twice. And it wasn't until like three or four years later that we actually re met each other a second time. Uh, and Adam Jones was in a bar again and, and he was drinking a beer and reading a book. Which um, to most people is a strange combination, but to me I was like oh that that sounds pretty awesome because i I was just discovering books for the for my first time as well. so I think it was just it just sort of all happened that we we both sort of were doing a lot of things at the same time in in, in parallel, and then our paths crossed. we're both discovering books we're both discovering podcasts, we're both finishing our degrees we're both about to start uh, I guess in the real world in the workforce Um <clears throat> And all those things came together, and we thought, let's let's try a podcast.
0: Sounds good. So, um, so I, it seems also it seems that you guys started a podcast for the similar reasons to me, in that you wanted to learn. So the way I wanted to do it was just to speak to people and challenge myself because, like, I can read everything I can at, at like uni and stuff like that. I can get all this information, but it's almost not useless. But it really seems to go into your brain when you have a conversation with someone and then they maybe push back with something else. And then you come back with something and having that kind of long form conversation. So was there any other reasons you guys started the podcast or was it just to learn, to read more? Was it a challenge?
1: Yeah, definitely learning and books was definitely a big part of it. So we were reading books, um, but it was a way of forcing ourselves to retain a lot more from those books because often like we'd read a book, you get to the end and you'd, you like think, oh, my good, what did I just do? What did I spend the last 10 hours or the last two weeks doing? Uh, I've read this book, but I can't even remember what the hell I read. So it was a way to force ourselves to retain more by knowing that we had to teach it coming up. We had to sort of read and take notes and then be ready to discuss it together, um, not just like read passively, but read actively. So that was definitely a big part, the learning side of it. Um, and then beyond learning from the books, learning, I guess, this new skill of podcasting we were both pretty interested in it and we both wanted to learn how to do it. And there were sort of all these peripheral benefits that came with that as well. Like obviously learning the technical skills, like how to record, how to edit, how to upload, but then also some of the, the softer skills, I guess, of, of talking, of listening, of communicating, all those things that came along with it as, uh, as extra benefits. Right.
0: And how do you read so fast? You guys do a show what, every week every time yeah, I, I, I have <laughs> a guest on i have to i buy their book i read as much as i can and if i'm lucky i get halfway through and i have to like tell them beforehand <laughs> like during the podcast I'm like i only got halfway through so there's something we're not onto. <laughs>
1: i don't think we read that fast i think we just read a lot um i think i have probably okay. got a little bit a little bit quicker um and I've probably learned to read between the lines a bit and skip some of the crap. So that's probably helped with, with, uh, with the speed or the pace. Uh, but overall, I think it's just finding little pockets of time. It's not like that where, you know, we um, switch off from the day of work, have dinner, and then read books for three hours. It's more like, Oh, we've got a, a spare seven minutes here. We've got a spare 15 minutes here. And then on the lunch break, Oh, there's a spare 20 minutes there. And they sort of all add up by doing little bits. It adds up to a lot.
0: Right. Okay. Um, and so I, I downloaded an introduction to the book, which also yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today, because this is the release date of your book, right?
1: Today's the day. Today is 23rd the day. Twenty third of June. That's for sure. Crazy. Yeah. Mate, well, um, thank you so much for for up on this day as well. It's been a, it's been like a fourteen month writing project plus mm-hmm. then like a two month pre launch project. So today's the big day. Yeah. It Must have been a busy one then uh yeah it was a busy um a busy 18 months yeah <laughs> right <laughs> definitely
0: right. okay um so yeah in the intro you go through the different this so what you were just saying about like skipping some some of the crap with books so i i struggle with that so i would say i'm like the completionist way of like reading books so i have to read a book cover to cover otherwise my mind will tell me you've missed something like something mm-hmm. really important that you just skipped you're not like my mind will not be able to switch off for that so I'm guessing you're not that, or if you learned to like, I definitely
1: am, I definitely am that I'm i a hundred percent that, and I had to force myself almost not to be, um, mm-hmm. especially like, uh, jo- like Jonesy and I, so we, we used to sort of agree on what books and then we, we had too many fights. So we're like, okay, you pick half, I'll pick half. <laughs> and then, right. so some of his books that he picks that I'm not that interested in, um, I have to, I have to skip some chapters. It's almost like I look ahead to his (laughs) notes to be like, okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about chapters three, four, five, and then eight, nine, and then 13 and 14, and then 17. So Mm. I'm like, okay, well, they're the ones I have to read. And then it's like, okay, well, if chapter, I forget what numbers I said, but you know, if chapter two Mm. is not in the, in the episode, that's almost like giving me permission to skip it. But I do feel that pain. Every time I skip it, I do feel a pang, or if I like if if he says, hey, we're only going to do the first third of this book, you don't have to worry about the second two-thirds. Um, and then when I put put that book down, it's hard to tell myself that I've read that book if I've only read, you know, 30% of the book. But um it's something I've had to had to fight with. And I think that the impending deadline of of recording an episode every single weekend um is another one that forces us to to make sure that we read as, as much as possible. Um, and Mm -hmm. read everything that we have to read in that time
0: do you ever for like if say if you you've got a book that you weren't really interested in and you look at um adam jones's notes do you ever look at a chapter and think well i'm just going to read all of his notes and say oh we we read the same thing oh that's that's, that's (laughs) my ideas as well
1: (laughs) oh man you must be reading my mind you must be reading (laughs) my mind there's definitely been times like that um there's some books there's i'd say like for most books Like if we go through, we're sort of obviously reading it separately and we're highlighting our own favorite bits. There's normally a 90, 95% crossover of our favorite bits. And then there's sometimes where I can definitely tell like what I can tell what his favorite stuff's going to be. And it depends on the type of book. Like some books are like very story heavy where you got to sort of read the whole thing and get a grasp of the whole story. But then there's some books where it's like, a list of seven things that you have to do and the explanation of each. I'm like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure he, he's going to get all the good stuff here, so I can probably skip mm. this and just rely on him for that.
0: <laughs> just have to week off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so, um, you, yeah. Also, that was a question I had. What, what university degree did you end up with? Because it said like in the introduction that you bounced around different degrees. So, which one did you finish with?
1: Yeah, I started off doing physiotherapy um which is what i thought i wanted to do but after a semester uh, i realized that i didn't want to do it so i did a one Mm. semester plus one week and then dropped out of that and then did commerce economics double degree and then by the time i finished i just finished with a single degree i couldn't uh i couldn't justify doing the extra year to get the, the the slash on the end so i just finished off with this with the single degree double major as opposed to the double degree so i finished um Commerce, yeah, I'm pretty sure I finished commerce, majoring in finance and economics.
0: Right. Did you view like those those changes in degree as important? Did you view them as failures? Did do you look back on them now as um something that led you to better things? Because like when I when I first when I left school, I went to a university where I was studying journalism, but they did the way they'd done it was you had to pick two other subjects which had nothing to do with journalism, and and um, didn't like that and I dropped out after about two months and then didn't get into the university the other university that I got into because I didn't trust because I just dropped out of another university <laughs> but like obviously at the time like my world was spinning and I was like, I, like that's the biggest failure I'm not going to go to university but now it, like I look back on that it's like that was the right thing to do
1: I think for me for sure it was it definitely worked out and it's probably easy to yeah. you know look back from from five years down the track to say yeah it all worked out uh, at the time, there was definitely a lot of angst in that decision. Like I was thinking, you know, during my first semester of physiotherapy, which I'd thought I'd always wanted to do because I liked sport. I want to sort of move to that sort of field or I thought I did anyway, and then I wasn't liking it. So I was like, well, am I just not trying hard enough? Am I doing the wrong things? Um, you know, then like there's obviously a, there's like a big uh, a big cost of of switching both like the financial cost but also the social cost as well of of being the person who like picked the wrong thing and and stuffed up or failed or moved you know move from something to something else um so there's definitely a lot of um like it was a tough decision that's for sure but i i was definitely glad that i I made that decision sooner rather than later i gave myself that extra week thinking that oh you know it was just a lot of change going from high school to university, a lot of stress, picking up something brand new is a pretty challenging course. I, you know, I had the exam. So I was like, okay, well, if I get through that, maybe it was just a matter of, it was just a, a lot going on that if I tackle semester two with a fresh mindset, then maybe I like it more. But I was, you know, four days into that first week, I was like, nah, this is, this is definitely not for me. So I was, I was glad that I made that decision eventually, but I also gave myself, you know, every opportunity to 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 try to get something out of it um, without over committing to it
0: right and I, don't, I don't know if it's the same in Australia as it is in UK but I always think that high school tends to be very university focused and like when you're in like the last couple of years they're basically saying like you need to know what you need to do you need to know what you want to do mm. when you leave school and it's almost like you're you're rushed into it and luckily like I knew I wanted to do journalism for quite a while so I knew that was a that was the right choice but I think for a lot of people, they have no idea. So then, and they still, like when they're halfway through university, they still don't have any idea what they're doing or why they chose that course. It's only mm. because like they were they were rushed into it by teachers and stuff Yeah, like that. Do you think yeah. that's the same there?
1: They had to pick something. There's no, yeah, definitely. There's no way that a, a 16, 17 year old could possibly pick what they want to do for the next 40 years. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it's like, a, it's an impossible one. I think a lot of people, um, I think it's it's less about picking What's going to make you happy, and more about being happy with what you picked, almost in that like uh, it's going to be pretty hard to pick the perfect thing and and realize oh this was exactly the thing that was going to make me happy. It's it's probably a lot easier to make a decision and re- and then almost commit to it and say well this is what I've chosen so this is what I'm going to go towards. Um, obviously there's cases like like yours and mine where we decided that you know that wasn't quite it and we want to shift a little bit or or shift entirely and start it start afresh. But I think ultimately it's um yeah it's it's a seemingly impossible decision that everybody has to try to fumble their way through and and some do better than others but i I think most people sort of end up okay
0: yeah i think i think uncertainty should be more a more of a positive thing i think people who aren't sure what they want to do should be it should be told that that's okay you're you're young you you shouldn't know what you're supposed to do and maybe like I, i i always think like throughout the whole of my life, I never really want to know what I'm doing next. I don't want to know what I'm doing like next year or like in 10 years. I don't like that idea because like, well, for instance, like I I always when I started studying journalism, I wanted to do music reviews and interviews and stuff like that. And I started doing that, and then I realized I was saying the same thing over and over again about every single new song that's coming out. And I just found, found that it was like ripping away my like love for music because everything just started to sound the same as I was reviewing it. So then I changed and wanted to just write opinion pieces. And then I started getting into academic writing and it's just all, all of that wouldn't have happened if I just had closed all Mm. these doors and just focused on one thing. So I think almost uncertainty should be praised. Like you shouldn't, you should have all these doors open, you know?
1: Yeah, I think so for sure. Especially when, especially when, uh, when you've got such a long journey ahead, uh, you want to have as many options as possible obviously when you're getting towards yeah. the end of your career, those options will definitely narrow, but at the beginning, you should be open to as as many different paths as possible. And as you say, uncertainty should be a good thing. Uh, I think for me, I, uh, you know, there's sort of the option of like the gap year that take the year off and work out what you want to do. Uh, I don't think that would have been good for me either because I think I would have just done exactly what I did, but a year later, um, because I think, because I was already so entrenched that, Hey, this is what I want to do. Um, I think I would have just assumed that that's what I was going to do. And I wouldn't have thought too hard about it uh, as opposed to actually being open to, to trying things and working out what you want to do. I think for me, I had to almost do it to realize that I didn't like it. Otherwise I still would have done it anyway, just 12 months later.
0: Right. So moving back to um, the podcast, well, actually, let's let's move to the book. Actually, so you've got a new book out that comes out today. It won't be like once this is uploaded; it will obviously be first. So it's, it's the twenty third of June. The book's out. The book's, out. The book's called, yeah, um, the shit they never taught you. Um, yeah. So what's what's the book? You've compiled all these different books into one behemoth, and I can see it behind you there.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, this is. I got a few. I got I got I got books lying around everywhere. There, <laughs> the whole the whole house is going to be filled with them soon. I'll be using them as <laughs> furniture uh the the uh the, the idea was like that sort of what we've been talking about a little bit that there's so many things in life that school doesn't prepare you for it prepares you for one one path and one track that you've largely got to try to work out for yourself uh but for us through reading all these books we found there were so many answers to so many questions that we were, that we'd been seeking there were so many things that we'd read it in a passage of a book and think man why the hell didn't we didn't someone just like tell us this sooner why didn't someone teach us this because obviously growing up you've got your uh you got your parents obviously teach you your teachers at school teach you as you get a little bit older maybe your sports coaches or your neighbors or your family friends teach you things um you've got uh you know as you enter the workforce your early bosses and mentors teach you things but it's it's i guess it's somewhat limited in its scope in that your parents, your uh, neighbors, your family, friends, uh, are all going to be sort of from the same area doing the same sorts of things. Uh, probably your teachers as well are going to be obviously, and your sports coaches in that in that same sort of field, in that same neighborhood, in that same area, they're going to have this limited range of experiences. Um, for us, our teachers then became the authors of the books we were reading. So beyond our, our teachers and parents and bosses, our new sort of teachers became, you know, CEOs of multinational corporations and mega billionaires, and marketing gurus, and philosophers, and and spiritual gurus, and uh, and uh, prime ministers, even, and uh, you know, everything in between. Really, like, were able to learn from people who had taken their life's work and packaged it up into a book. So for us, we felt like we're just tapping into this whole new realm of teachers that were teaching us a whole bunch of extra things that we couldn't have ever possibly learned uh, in a traditional education system. And so for us, what we ultimately did was package all those different things that there's different ideas that had smacked us across the face at some point or another, and put them into into one book to try to smack some other people up as well, metaphorically, of course.
0: So It must have been a laborious task then, getting all that compiled into this book. How, how did you go about writing it? Was it did you have whiteboards were you just meeting like um once a week to talk it through how did you go about writing yeah
1: we the initial structure changed four or five times um until we got to eventually where we got to um i think the hardest part was writing it it's a massive book it's like 170,000 words it's 680 pages um the hardest part wasn't writing that much the hardest part was like choosing which ones to cut <laughs> like we had to we ended up cutting i think maybe 50 or sixty thousand words there's a whole document um that we called the cutting room floor which is like another like an additional 200 odd pages of stuff that we ended up chopping out of the book which was painful and the, even more painful with the the other stacks of books that didn't even make it into this book because we could have, we can probably do this we could probably fill fill five or six volumes of this bad boy um but basically yeah it was just a it was a lot of writing we d- tried to divide and conquer we tried to tackle different chapters where i'd do the first draft or jonesy would do the first draft and then we'd cross over to try to add a bit of our own spice or try to get the um get it sounding as if it's you know one person like it's largely written as a as from one you know almost anonymous merge of ashto plus jonesy plus we've got our own sort of individual stories added in there from time to time but it was um it was a it was a big challenge but it was a good challenge it was a fun one and we're pretty happy with where it all ended up right
0: and more more generally how do you guys because obviously you read a lot of books you've written this book you do the podcast how do you stay productive how do you find the motivation to do these things even like because right now what you've got about like one hundred eighty thousand listeners every week is that right
1: Mm. uh every month we claim every week yeah
0: every month yeah yeah we'll just say yeah. that um, we'll say we'll say week
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so when you were starting out obviously like i know like when you when you're not getting those views or you're not getting those listeners how do you still put the work in to do that
1: yeah for us it was a very slow grind um yeah. and it's been a very slow build that at the at the it took us a long time like the first the first week i think we had three downloads the first month we were probably up to Twenty-five and at least twenty of those were just ourselves. Just kept refreshing the page to try to bump those numbers up. Let um, me try that. It, yeah, yeah, It was a, it was, it was definitely a, it was definitely a slow build. And, and for us, uh, the early days, what kept us going was all those peripheral benefits. You know, the learning, the reading, the retention, the, the improving your speaking skills, improving your podcasting skills. Because nobody was listening, we could focus on all the other benefits we we're getting out of it um now with people listening uh we're almost trapped into doing it we almost have to keep doing Mm. it um and a big thing that keeps me going jones is just a he's an animal he's just a hard worker he would he would do it all day every day whereas i need to almost trick myself into doing it with short projects you know hard deadlines um doing things like that to break up uh big tasks into smaller more achievable chunks right
0: um, and so this this question this question was for both of you, but Adam Jones does say one of his mottos was "Let future Adam worry about this." So why? Well, this was more of a question for him, but you could you could definitely ask, ask, answer this. Why is that one? Why is that a bad motto? And two, I think this kind of relates to. I noticed that you guys read Jordan Peterson's new book Beyond Order, and you liked it. I'm about three quarters of the way through it, and so one thing he says in that is sacrificing. Um, today for tomorrow will lead to a more meaningful life so maybe that's maybe i've just answered the question there but yeah how do you why, why is that a bad model
1: yeah definitely i think that the uh you know let future Adam worry about it it's sort of the yeah. the easy way out or the easy excuse to do whatever you want today um, and think that everything's going to work out tomorrow of course we found out that the more you the more you put in now the better off it's going to be it's um i forget what the i forget who it was but you know if you do the you know do the easy things you'll have a hard life if you do the hard things you'll have an easy life in the the idea that if you you work hard now uh, things are going to get easier for you in the future uh other, otherwise uh if you're just living for today it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun in the moment uh but you're never really going to get to the next level i guess you're never going to reach something meaningful you're never going to have built some kind of uh you know like for us we're building the podcast we're building the book um, we're building a list base like we're building these things that are beyond us um we could never do that obviously if we just stuck to the the parting every week and the, the watching watching tv every night and you know uh just letting future out and worry about it just living for today and and uh, not worrying about tomorrow
0: do you think that's what you did with the podcast specifically? Where do you think when you started the podcast, where was the target to to get people to listen to it, or was it, or was the target for you guys to learn more, challenge yourselves, or was it a combination of the both? Because I I kind of found with the podcast that I'm not bothered if people, well, not too bothered if people don't watch or don't listen to it, because what I'm getting out of it is I'm speaking to people that I wouldn't ever have the opportunity to speak to without it i mean last month last month i had jonathan zimmerman on who wrote a book called free speech and he was literally on the joe rogan podcast two weeks before he came onto mine and he was like my 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 views are like some like i think the last ones the one that he was on is on 15 views and this guy like two weeks ago was on the joe rogan podcast and it's the same like people will take the time <laughs> to speak to you even though you have the tiniest little podcast. So, do yeah, you forget, I forget what the question was now. Um,
1: no, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's so funny though, man. Like, the um, it's just like the tiniest shift in the question. Like, one question, um, is you know, calling up a bloke or emailing cold emailing a bloke who'd just gone on Joe Rogan, who's just blown up, who's probably had tens of millions of views on Joe okay. Rogan's podcast. One option is to email. And say, "Hey, can I like chat to you for for an hour um, of your time? You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a nobody. Uh, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. You're probably going to get nothing out of it, but can you give me an hour of your time? That's like one question. Another question is like that exact same question. You know, I'm a nobody. Um, I, I want an hour of your time to ask you a whole bunch of questions, but I'm going to record it and put it up online. Um, yeah, and that's like." Just like that one, that one tiny shift, like, uh, is massive. Like for us, we we've been able to interview like some of our all time heroes. We we were literally nobodies. We were twenty three and twenty four year old dudes from Australia with no audience, uh, with no yeah no listeners, no credibility whatsoever. Just finished uh, university, had just put our first toe dipped our first toe into the into the career waters. Um, but we were able to interview some of our all-time heroes we were able to interview some uh, entrepreneurs some billionaires some uh, we've interviewed two prime ministers we just the other day interviewed a nobel prize winner um just by you know just by saying like actually having something uh, a reason to mm-hmm. talk to these people like just beyond ourselves just wanting to chat to them yeah
0: yeah Um and specifically with the podcast, you've got your bookshelf behind you. How much of those books have you read? Do you have like big lists of books that you mean guys... to read and you haven't managed to? Or
1: oh massive, man. Massive. Yeah, so this okay. this side of me is uh is not mine. Um it's like some uh some, a bit of Harry Potter, a bit of Twilight, some uh that's not sort of my scene. This this side is more mine and all of these right. basically all of these you can see here and here and here, yeah. all those books I haven't read yet. I've got a box. <laughs> right. I've got, okay. a box, I've got a box down here of stuff that I have read, um, and I'd say if you look at, uh, so I use this app Goodreads, which is just like you know for tracking which books you haven't haven't read. I think I'm up to like 350 books that I have read, and there's like 1100 books that I want to read that I haven't read yet. Um, plus, then I've got another list of about 100 that haven't actually made it onto the Goodreads list. Um, that I still want to read so there's like it feels like every time I read one book like three more get added to the list so I think it's never going to be a never-ending list
0: yeah I think like the 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 sad thing is that you will never get through that list like we'll never have (laughs) enough time there's never enough time to read all those books there's too many books
1: (laughs) no and especially every time if like the I, I probably like got like physically i've probably got 700 books of which i've read half so beyond those other 350 that i haven't read um plus the additional 700 on top of that that i want to read that haven't even bought yet every time i read one i'm going to buy two more and add two more to the 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 digital list so it's like man it it's just it's like literally impossible to to cut this down yeah
0: what what are some main things you wish you were taught in school like maybe stuff that you've read in books or just general lessons that you, that you kind of have to learn along the way.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's probably two, two types of, um, two types of answers or two types of lessons. One is like the very specific tactical lessons. Um, and then the other type of lesson is the more, the high level, the more theoretical type of lesson. So like a tactical thing would be like, say in personal finances, uh, you know, pay yourself first is a thing from like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, from the Barefoot Investor, who's an Aussie bloke from um, the Total Money Makeover book from the, the Richest Man in Babylon. All these, all these personal finances book all talk about paying yourself first. So they're saying that, you know, as soon as you get your paycheck, save 10% of it, put 10% of that away that you don't touch, that you build up, and then over a long, over obviously a long period of time, if you keep putting ten percent away, you'll end up with a nice little pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, so that's like a very, a very tactical thing that I don't think school ever prepares you for. the 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 personal finances, how to actually manage your money when you get paid, uh, and your and your pay comes in, what do you do with those? How do you sort of put them into different buckets, or how do you divvy up how you're going to spend that money? That's like a very tactical thing of what we never get taught, then there's sort of like the more theoretical thing, which is almost like the approach to life, which if we talk about, you know, the idea of embracing uncertainty, the idea of being willing to take risks, being willing to try new things, be be willing to start little projects like this, like whether it's a a, a podcast, YouTube channel, writing a book, starting a business, uh, any of these things, uh, just having a crack. Is, is like almost like a, a philosophy, an approach to life. You don't know if it's going to work. And in fact, it's almost definitely not going to work, but you just need to be willing to have a crack. And that first time you do it, you're going to learn so much that the second time you have a crack, it's going to be a lot better. So that's sort of like a lesson in books that I think was never really instilled in us in school.
0: Yeah. Have you heard, to talk about finances, have you heard of the app called Plum?
1: Plum? I don't think so.
0: Right. So that's that's like an app where you you connect it to your bank account and it just takes money out of your bank account, doesn't notify you that it's doing it, and it just keeps it just does it month on month and you can choose like what percentage you want and you can have like little pots of like different savings. And it oh, means nice. that for people who don't like savings, the the idea of not physically actually putting stuff on your phone into different um bank accounts means you don't it's like a psychological thing where you don't feel like you're actually putting money away or losing any money because it's just taking it. Without, you know, yeah. nuts. Nice. Yeah. There's yeah, one, um,
1: there's one, there's one here and I'm sure you've, you've probably got an equivalent there that like rounds up your purchases. So like, say like uh, you want to say you want to round it to the nearest dollar or the nearest $5. Like if you buy a coffee yeah. for $3.80, then it pinches a $1.20 every time. It's like the difference between $3.80 yeah. and $5 is almost nothing. But over the space of a week, it might end up being, you know, 30 bucks. And then over the space of a month, it could be 150 bucks. Um, and that was just stuff that you didn't even notice was gone. But suddenly, you've got um, an extra nice little chunk of change that you can do something with.
0: Yeah. Um, and going back to the podcast, why did you choose to do a podcast and not any other sort of medium? What 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 was what was so special about podcasts?
1: Yeah, for us, it seemed to be the perfect mix of um, of easiness, really. Like uh, mm-hmm. like the video for us, the video format. Um, felt like a little bit too, a little bit too hard in the sense of like, uh, you know, it's a little bit extra intimidation factor. Like even just speaking into a microphone is is scary enough, but to speak into a microphone and look into a camera was almost too, too scary to get started off. And then the, uh, the written version. So on the, almost the other end of the spectrum, like the written version felt like too much work as well, because you put in so much, time and effort and it takes so long to write something but so quick to read it so for us like the flicking on the microphone and recording was the almost the easiest way out in the sense of like we could just talk we didn't have to plan too much and we didn't have to say exactly what we wanted to say perfectly write and edit down every single word um to be perfect prose like you would have to do with writing and it felt comfortable enough that we weren't on camera that it seemed to be the nice middle ground
0: yeah i always find like when i because I started this last year during the lockdown because I thought, well, if I can't do it now, then I'm never going to do it because I've got the time now to do it. Um, and it's almost been a blessing because it's been so easy to speak to people like, well, one, I can speak to you and you're mm. on the other side of the world. So that that's great. Um, but that's there'll awesome. come a time when I want to speak to someone in person and that's going to be a completely different ballgame because I've still not done that yet. And obviously I'm not going to film that. So it'll just be a, a, like a sound um, heavy one. Um, but that's like a whole different ballgame is speaking to someone in person. Like, this is the closest we'll get at the moment during a pandemic to have a conversation, but it's still not quite the same. There'll be other thoughts that go into your head when you're speaking to someone in person.
1: Definitely, definitely. And we sort of had a couple of like evolutions. So we've had, we started off just us, so just us talking face to face in the same room. Then we like interviewed somebody, you know, virtually where we just, um, caught them on the phone and recorded it that was like our first interview there was someone in australia the next one was we like interviewed somebody overseas then the next one was like we interviewed with the with the cameras on and spoke to them and then we interviewed people face to face in person so like um even within the one medium of podcasting there were so many different evolutions and different things that we've sort of tackled along the way and as you say like so you've got the you've got the the virtual version then there's the in-person version which is a, a whole different ball game even though it's at the end of the day the output is largely similar they they feel like two completely different propositions so it's just that a new thing to learn a new skill um, there'll be different things that you got to work out um how you do it exactly and like anything i think the more you do it the more you get better at it
0: yeah and w- what would be what what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out a podcast or who's just starting out a project like a creative project like a podcast what advice would you give to them
1: The biggest thing for sure is to set goals that that you can control yourself um, so there's obviously one goal is you know finding a uh, finding a sponsor to give me 200 bucks a week to do this show <laughs> that's like one goal um, another goal could be you know finding yeah. thousand people to listen to every single episode that i do is another goal but both of those goals um aren't within your control both of those are very external they rely on other people they rely on a lot of other people in fact um and it's sort of like both of those things don't actually matter to what you're actually doing um internal goals would be like you know i want to commit and do 20 episodes or i want to um I want to, you know, focus on the inputs rather than the output. Say if you've got a specific guest, you want to say, you don't want to say, hey, I want to aim for this one guest. You want to say, I want to send out 20 invites. Um, You can't control how many people are going to say yes, but you can control how many things that you you do on your side, how many invites you shoot out or how many episodes you record or how many, um, you know, practice sessions you do or whatever that is. So I would say definitely focus on internal goals and things that, actually matter to you so like for us um whilst in the back of the mind there was always big dreams of becoming the next joe rogan and, and selling out for a you know nine-figure deal to spotify or something and having billions of listeners um but at the same time we're sort of realistic we're thinking okay well what can we control we can't control that we want to do an episode every week we can't control that we want to learn a whole bunch of stuff so that became goals you know the goals of being consistent, the goals of learning those skills, the goals of reading those books um, were the things that kept us going. So I think focusing on uh, internal or intrinsic motivators, things that you can control is definitely important to keep going, especially in the early days of a new creative project.
0: Who's, who's the one person that you've always wanted to have on the podcast, but they're like the pinnacle, like they're, they're so high. I have, I have about five who I email once a month. Just saying. Oh, Please nice. come in the podcast. Please come in the podcast. Please come in the podcast. <laughs> but oh, obviously, so they never replied. They're like the. I have this. Who's in,
1: of, who, who are the five? Who's in the list? Can you tell us?
0: Um, well, Jordan Peterson, obviously, he's one. Nice, yeah. Um Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. So he's like he's probably the reason that I started doing philosophy and got so interested in that because he made it so accessible. Um,
1: yeah,
0: definitely. Who else? One I was going to try and start emailing because I emailed Jonathan Zimmerman last month after I'd done the podcasting is there anyone you'd recommend me to come on the podcast and he just came back and said why didn't you just try Joe Rogan himself I was like okay okay yeah okay I'll give him a shot maybe (laughs) maybe maybe he'll answer he's not busy at all
1: (laughs) yeah Um,
0: but yeah they're probably there's three that I probably want on um nice well, I've had like so the way I the way I contact people every month is I have maybe two or three people that month who I'm thinking they're the they're the people that are never gonna reply, they're they're way too busy, and I email them anyway. And then as I as like time goes by, I, I email them, like, the next three people, the next three people, like as I go further down the list. Um, so like when when I was contacting you guys, you guys were the first people I contacted that month. So I've had that before where I contact people. And I'm like, they're never going to reply. And then they come back instantly. Like, yeah, 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 we'll do it. Great. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, it works. It's quite a good way of doing it. I think it's honestly, I think,
1: um, yeah, okay. There's a whole bunch. There's definitely heaps. And like, there's probably a lot that we've already crossed off that would have been on that original dream guest list, which has been awesome. Um, There's a whole bunch sort of out of reach that we still haven't cracked yet. Tony Robbins would be one. Um, that yeah, we'd okay. love to do. Um, Joe Rogan will be sweet, just have fun. He isn't, I don't think he's got a book, has he? But we we, we do, we do no. him even without a book. Um, Tim Ferriss was probably one early days, probably not so high yeah. on the list anymore, but he, he would definitely be one from early days. Um, and then I guess it's uh, Adam Grant is another one from from uh, who's uh, who's done a couple of cool books that we'd be keen to get. There's a bunch of people that we'd be we'd be keen to get. Um, Probably one that's outside the the normal realm for us would be Darren Brown, the magician. Okay, I'm
0: um, going to go see so be, him he'll in he'll
1: October. Cool. That's weird. Oh, nice. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you get a chance, ask him if he wants to come on our podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'll wear I'll wear <laughs> the awesome. shirt get, so that I get I get, get picked the a audience. Of his
1: books here. <laughs> nice. You know someone who's who's probably like slightly outside the the normal realm. Um, yeah. Yeah of uh of of authors and stuff um but yeah i think it's i think it's it's kind of good to 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 aim aim high early i've got a another podcasting friend um his name is dave Nabinsky, and his show is called the portfolio career podcast and uh one of his one of his like top two podcasting tips is like um invite your dream guests earlier than you think you should um and i think like there's there's definitely benefits of that like it's scary as shit to 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 reach out to those people um and they're almost definitely going to say no there's like a 99.99% chance that in fact sorry they won't even say no there's a 99.99% chance they're not even going to respond to you yeah yeah even let alone say no Um, but there's a slight chance that they might say yes uh, which is worth the shot uh, which is worth the risk and also like each person you do sort of adds credibility um like for us we started with a a local australian author Um, from there we sort of got one under the belt then we could get a couple of international authors and we could get a couple of bigger authors with like bigger profiles and higher sales then we we landed um seth godin was probably like the first tipping point for us where we had like a big name that we could then say hey seth godin's been on our show and that then helped with like the next five people we got all knew who seth godin was so that definitely added credibility to us so if you can land one or two of those big fish it definitely helps with the next batch of asks, the next month of emails that you send out is going to be um, slightly easier or slightly more successful.
0: Yeah, do you find like with the people that are more well known that you you get of it, do you get more views with them, more list- listeners? Because I find one I had um, one episode I had Helen Pluckrose on, who co-authored a book called "Cynical Theories" with a guy called James Lindsay, and he was on the Drew Rogan podcast. And I thought mm. he's the one that does majority of the press for these, like for the books and stuff like that. So I was like, I'll try him, but I know he's not going to reply. But I thought I'll email Helen Pluckrose and see if she has the time, and she did. And I always find like when I go back and check views, that one's the one that keeps accumulating views because people are searching for her.
1: Nice, yeah. I think it's a um, uh, an interesting, like almost like the medium-sized are probably better uh if you're if you're looking for um for the for the 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 numbers and stuff i think like the big like the megastars who are doing stuff like this every single week or every single day they're probably not going to share it there's probably they're probably doing so much that there's other things people can find um the the really small as in like like the the local level they're probably uh you know they don't have a big enough audience that they could attract to your show the medium size is almost like the perfect mix where they're 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 not um they're not oversaturated but they've got enough of, an, of of a following to make it matter and they're probably more likely to to share your stuff as well we've we've had almost no none of our guests share anything that we've done a couple here or there um but we just thought oh you know if this person shares it, they've got you know three hundred thousand followers and we can get this many downloads but almost nobody does i think the smaller um, or medium-sized level are probably more likely to share it and then you're more likely to pick up those extra views
0: yeah um, and speaking of Tim Ferriss I'm moving I'm going to move on to like a quick fire round oh yeah so the nice. first half is I'm stealing from him um, nice. so let's start with uh, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory
1: yeah, I think uh one from last year, so one for, for uh a 2020 purchase was a wetsuit uh like cap. Um it's like a fluor orange. I should if I, I could have been prepared and I could have whacked it on for you. Um and you, you could have given me a million guesses. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I would think of that. <laughs> so basically what, what it is, it's like a, a wetsuit material full full over a cap. Um, was, and I, I used to be a big swimmer when I was a kid. I, I, um, uh, when I was 14, I won nine national gold medals for swimming. Um, and so I, I always enjoyed swimming and I've had, uh, I've been sort of had a, an on again, off again relationship with swimming over the last five or six years. Um, I, it's probably my, definitely my favorite exercise to do. Uh, it's also very calming, very meditative. I, I, uh, I enjoyed doing it a lot. Um, but then obviously when, when uh, COVID and when lockdowns hit, all the pools got shut down. So there was no way to swim. So I wanted to go to the beach. I figured I could go to the beach and swim. But as soon as it hit like autumn and was heading towards winter, it was just so freaking cold um, that I actually really liked the cold. Like on my body, I enjoyed the cold. Uh, and i enjoyed swimming in the cold but on the head it literally like gave me brain freeze like i'd like swim two strokes and i had to stop and then recover and then like swim three strokes and then i had to stop and recover i do that like 20 times before i could actually swim like consistently for a couple of hundred meters so once i got that wetsuit cap i was swimming in my speedos my budgie smugglers and my wetsuit cap <laughs> um so the whole body was freezing cold but the head was nice and warm and I, I didn't get the brain freeze so i was able to swim so that was a that was a, probably the a good you know 50 60 dollar purchase that probably doesn't apply to everyone but definitely helped for me
0: right um i find it funny we've just we've done like we're on like 50 minutes now and we've not even mentioned COVID. yeah crazy <laughs> good, yeah. good. <laughs> how how are things over there um i'm always i'm always seeing like, news in australia and new zealand that um you guys like open back up and you're doing great and we're always looking over there in like massive envy yeah Senator well Holmes. we went
1: we went like hardcore lockdown for like 14, 14 weeks where we, it was, uh, we were very restricted in what we could do. But we pretty much got down. We're only like, like, we're obviously a smaller country, but we were in, in our city, we were having like, say, 700, 750 cases a day. And then they got it all the way back down to zero. So we pretty much got to zero um, and had most of summer. Then, like, we had like a five day mini lockdown where a few cases had popped up. And then just recently, over the last month or so, we just had another two, three week sort of lockdown. Um, again, where a few had popped up, but we were just coming out of it, um, so we're we're hoping that we can stay at zero for for another while longer. It's been it's been like a obviously a little bit annoying to sort of go in and out, but it's better mm. I think over the long term that we went through that sort of fourteen weeks of of, of again you know sacrificing today for yeah. for a better tomorrow. Yeah. We went through the did the hard yards and we're able to then enjoy the summer.
0: Yeah. Um, so going back to the, the quick fire question. So how, how does a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure of yours?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think I I wouldn't classify any of these as, as, as failures, but I, um, I wrote, I suppose it was probably like a failure to other people. Like I wrote a, a, a book before this one in 2016. 20- 2017 i think it must have been 2017 um and i'd say it was like a a failure in the sense of it didn't sell a lot of books um but it was a definitely a win for me personally to be able to do this two-year project to actually see see it through to fruition to actually uh print off a whole bunch of books and to actually sell a couple like I probably sold i don't know 60 or 80 books at the start, just to, to, to close friends and family, basically. Um, ended up giving a whole bunch out to school kids, um, ended up over time, sold a few more over time. But in the traditional sense, I didn't make any money out of it. I definitely lost money on it. Um, so in that sense, it was a failure. But I think that definitely set me up for, for future success. And that there was one big project that I ticked off. And it taught me a lot about what makes a good book and what doesn't. It taught me a lot about the whole process of writing, putting a book together and getting it published and, um, and doing all that, all that behind-the-scenes stuff. So that obviously was like very instrumental in doing this next book, which is already, you know as we said, it was the, the official launch day, but it's already sold, I don't know, 50 times as, as many books as that previous book. Um, and um, so it's definitely set me up for, for doing a better job this time. What was that book about? That was the the school I went to um, was a very academic school, very much sending people down the path of doctor, lawyer, engineer, which is why I went the physio route, you know, sort of in that medical realm, but not quite smart enough to be a doctor. Um, So I, you know, everyone was sort of shuffled down one of those very highly sought after very academic sort of jobs. Um, but then I sort of found that there was a, a few black sheep among the alumni, some of the old boys who hadn't followed that normal path. They'd sort of forged a path of their own, uh, largely in business and entrepreneurship where they'd sort of rebelled somewhat against the traditional or the normal system and went out on their own and tried to start something and be largely sort of self-governed and self-directed. So that's sort of why I, I was very curious about that, especially having a couple of stop starts with my own studies and careers and stuff like that. I wanted to learn well how did these guys not just follow the herd and do something a bit different and start their own businesses um, so I interviewed seven different entrepreneurs and sort of put all their individual stories together, so I had like the, their own the seven different stories and then at the end, I sort of had seven lessons of uh, you know here 's the things that were common among all seven of them that anybody could then take and apply to their own trajectories so that was that that book was a lot shorter as well it was only like 160 pages not 680 pages so that was a it was a good, good uh good way to test the waters
0: right and um, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere with anything on it and get a message out to millions or billions what would you say and why
1: our tagline over the course of this this book has, has evolved to become read books and do shit so that would be on the on the billboard, read books and do shit. Read books is obviously important to learn a whole bunch of stuff, but reading in isolation, taking in so much information, it doesn't really give you that much. You need to add the second part of the equation, which is do shit, which is go out and do something with that information that you just gathered. So that would be the big bill, the big billboard, read books and do shit. And I don't know if it, I don't know if we'd be, depending on the billboard, it might have to have an, an asterisk. Yeah, I was just thinking that, eye. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Read books and do S-H asterisk T.
0: <laughs> I noticed on one of your TV interviews that they had to see the stuff they never talked yeah, the about. Stuff. Yeah, the stuff. I was like, that's not
1: what <laughs> one, <laughs> one. We ended up getting two TV gigs. One put the the cover on, so they hmm. said the stuff, but they showed the cover, and one, like, put, like, a, a black square over the word as well. <laughs> so it's funny how they both tackled that
0: yeah um what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love
1: um unusual habit or an absurd thing that i love uh there's definitely some definitely some gross foods that i eat that i think are nice <laughs> and a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't think was so nice uh an absurd habit that i love it well it probably goes back to the swimming swimming in like three degree ocean water is definitely something absurd that uh that i love doing that most people would think is crazy
0: yeah i would agree and <laughs> <laughs> um, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily what do you do
1: uh definitely pen and paper writing down lists for sure i often yep. get if there's too many th- things like if it- goes beyond the number of ideas that you can keep in your brain. Like you have to do A, B, C, D. Once it gets to like five, six, seven, eight different things that you've got to do, it can often get overwhelming. And just thinking about what what should I do next is paralyzing. So for me, it's literally just like, okay, let's just stop, get out the pen and paper, write down all the things on the list and then just pick one and do it. Um, Because it's a lot easier to pick one than try to think out of eight, think I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, just pick one and just methodically work through it so you can cross it off the list and move on to the next one.
0: Right. I realize this is probably a stupid question to ask someone with a book podcast, but top three books? Do you have three? Um,
1: Yeah, I've got a lot. uh, There's definitely a a lot of books that could go in that top three. Is there anything specific, uh, like any specific area that you're most interested in um, that I can give you the top three on or just top three in general?
0: Um, what about, so what about like productivity books or like motivational books, top three of those?
1: Mm. Okay. So one, um, one would definitely be the dip by Seth Godin. Um, and probably whatever, whatever you asked me, then I probably would have said the dip by Seth Godin. Cause, uh, mm. I think it's a, it's a phenomenal book. It's 80 pages, one core idea, um, in, in the sense of the productivity motivation, Uh, It's a lot about project selection about, you know, what do you want to do, what things are worth doing, which things should you quit? Um, So that is definitely a good one in the productivity sense. Um, Probably tying back to the, uh, I do like sort of like the big, you know, kick up the ass motivation types of books. Um, But I also do like the more tangible, more tactical types of how to actually be more productive books. So probably add the one thing um as one of the the second time one of the more tactical one of the more um probably ties back into writing lists and picking one thing to cross off the list as well um so the one thing is definitely in there and i think like a bit of a a bit of almost a bonus one on top of that i won't add it as one of my top three but as a, a bit of a cheesy one is eat that frog which is like just like a good simple sort of around motivation around getting shit done around productivity um, I think that's a good one. So you can pick probably either the one thing or eat that frog. And then probably one of the, the bigger, uh, more epic motivation ones um, is uh, by the great philosopher, Dr. Seuss, um, Oh, the places you'll go. Um, so it's, a, it's probably a, a kid's book on the surface in terms of it's got lots of colors and lots of pictures and lots of drawings. Um, and you can read it in about six minutes. Uh, but I think if you read between the lines, the core message in there is a is a big motivational kick up the ass as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so going on to the second half of the quick fire rounds, this one is from James Lipton from the Actors Studio. This is one he'd so ask every oh, guest nice. at the very end. Um, so, what is your favourite word?
1: Intentionality. And it only be, it only right. became my favourite word uh, probably eighteen months ago, but just about. Um, you know it's easy to follow the herd and easy to do what everybody else is doing but it's a lot harder to take that intentionality and actually pick what you want to do and then go for it like aim at a target a lot about jordan peterson's book as well beyond order yeah. you know aim at the target you're not going to hit the target unless you aim at the target so being intentional about picking a goal and aiming towards it and working towards it so that that'd be my probably my, my favorite buzzword of the last 18 months right
0: and least favorite word
1: Um, the first thing uh, c- that is, is moist, but it, it doesn't actually bother me. But it seems to bother uh, a lot of other people. It bothers
0: everyone, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't really bother me that too much. Um, least favorite word: um, uh, potential, because I think potential is, uh, you know, it's. it's- almost a it can be a blessing and a curse you know if you you say someone's got a lot of potential or somebody had a lot of potential and didn't make the most of their potential um i think it uh ultimately it boils down to you've got to actually make the most of what you got whether people think you've got potential or not it's completely up to you to make the most of it
0: that's a good one i like that um so what sound or noise do you love uh
1: a grand piano some nice nice classical grand piano. I, I uh, used to play piano a lot as a kid since moving out of home. Haven't had it, but I'm moving in a couple of months to a place where I'll be able to get a piano. So I'm looking forward to tickling those ivory keys again soon.
0: Have you got a favorite song?
1: Uh, the song I enjoy playing the most is called uh, Polonaise by Chopin um commonly known as a military mm. polonaise i enjoyed playing it because it's a, a lot of mm. energy and 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 can get um can get right into it can lean right into it and so mm. that's definitely uh the favorite one to play right
0: um and what sound or noise do you hate
1: Can't stand chalkboard at all any mm. any kind of chalkboard squeak squeaking Nails, even the chalk itself squeaks. So I don't know who invented that, but mm. I'm glad that it's slowly dying a, at dying <laughs> <Yeah>. its death. <laughs>
0: yeah. a painful death.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very, very. Um
0: what's your favorite curse word?
1: Um I like I like the C bomb. I like using it. I like hearing it. I always find it funny when they do it in movies and TV shows. Um, mm. I think it's less less frowned upon um in australia i feel like it's more a term of endearment in australia i don't know what it's like in the uk i think in the u.s i take it pretty harshly um yeah but yeah i think it's a it's a funny one here well
0: you'll, you'll know jim jeffries i think that's why he got so famous in america because yeah. he was like one of the first comedians <laughs> to use it like profusely
1: <laughs> and we we didn't we didn't think anything of it but yeah in the u.s yeah. it was just it was, it was shocking yeah
0: i think like the more you use the word the less like meaning comes from it
1: oh definitely yeah Yeah. (laughs) definitely
0: um what profession other than your own would you like to attempt
1: uh i think it'd be pretty cool to be a rock star um i think it'd it'd take a hell of a lot of uh effort a hell of a lot of luck Mm -hmm. as well um but i think that i'd be pretty happy to be up on stage every night and what profession would you least like to do anything in the medical field um anything in the medical field especially like like pediatrics or something where you have to deal with sick kids and and stuff i think i i don't think i could handle it i don't think i'm glad that there are people out there that do it um i definitely don't have the 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 moral character the strength the fortitude to be able to do it myself um so i'm glad somebody else is doing it
0: yeah i've got a few i've got a couple of friends who are nurses my partner was working in a care home during the pandemic um mm. and another friend this is what would this is what i think i would be like he started nursing at university and he went to his first placement which was in a care home for elderly people and mm. um as soon as one had to go to the toilet he went in there he was told to clean it up and as soon as he saw he went, nope i'm out, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm out. yeah that's exactly what i'd do <laughs> it's not for yeah.
1: me <laughs> yeah i don't think I, I couldn't do it either but uh glad some people do yeah,
0: yeah. It gives you more respect for them Mm. um if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates i
1: would like him to say welcome come on in um if, yeah. there's a, if there's a chance that he might not let me in but uh I, yeah if, if it if it is real then i'd love to i'd love to be welcomed in that's
0: a good one um well hopefully yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah what this last one's for this last one i just thought of now and a a question i ask people all the time is why why do you dress the way that you dress because everyone dresses for to a certain extent because they they want other people they want to give off a certain impression to other people so what impression do you want to give off
1: and especially the last 18 months i've been dressing like an absolute slob (laughs) Uh, so i think there's probably there's probably an element of a of a in fact definitely an element of not trying too hard so definitely trying to give off the vibe that i'm not trying too hard that's for sure which can be i guess a good thing and a bad thing it's a good thing in the sense of humility but definitely a bad thing in the sense of probably not taking myself seriously enough
0: Mm -hmm. um and yeah before before we wrap up where can people subscribe to the podcast follow your socials and where can they buy the book which is released today
1: yeah. What you will uh, is probably the home of everything. If you go to what you will you'll be able to find the links to all the podcasts um, all the podcast players. You'll be able to uh, buy the book. You'll be able to download a free chapter of the book uh, depending on when you check it out. We'll have some other freebie as well. Like we've got a, the top 50 best books of all time, which we, which is another freebie we, we give out from time to time. Um yeah, that's probably the, the home base for everything. Podcast, book, blog, everything.
0: Perfect. Uh well, thank you so much for taking the time spending your well your evening with me and my morning. And yeah, when I finally write my when I finally write a book, I am um, yeah, I'll give you guys an email.
1: Definitely, mate. Definitely hit us up and definitely uh let me know if uh if Darren Brown wants to come on our podcast as well <laughs> when you go see him. Enjoy that show. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, thanks so much for having me, man It's uh I'm very very uh, honoured to be able to spend uh, an hour of my time with you and for you to be able to spend an hour of your time with me it's been fantastic, mate, and all the best.
0: So that's the end of episode 13. Thank you very much for listening. You can also watch the podcast on my YouTube channel which is GT Media UK, all one word. I'm also on Instagram where I post updates and clips which is Gregor Thompson, all one word. That's G-R-E-G-O-R-T-H-O-M-S-O-N. I also have a website where I post articles, blog entries, and videos, which is gtmedia.uk. And thank you very much for listening again. If you could please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a good review, it does genuinely mean a lot. And I'll see you for episode 14 of the In Context podcast.